was that was good. I needed that. Thank you. Uh, let me just give a brief commercial before I get in the sermon. Got a busy day. The end of the month, January thirty first, uh, for the adult Sunday school classes. Want to meet in here instead of our usual classes. As Bob and Phyllis Foyer are going to come, and to talk about lay renewal weekend, and uh, a great opportunity and blessing. I encourage you to let everybody know about it. Make an effort to be here for that. And the idea is that we come together at a time as a group of about a dozen that come and their heart is just to renew the church's love for Jesus. Just to remind us who we belong to and, and what our mission is. And so I encourage you to be in prayer about that. Uh, come and hear Bob and Phyllis as they share about it and as we talk about a weekend uh, that we would be able to share that together. Um, so busy day on the 31st. All right, let me jump into this message. Hope beyond the culture. First John, chapter 4, first six verses. I'm going to ask you to find that text and to stand in honor of our God as I read the First Peter. Did I say First John? Don't listen to the preacher. First Peter 4. Thank you, Jerry. You know, you like somebody like that. It's like I remember one time I was at a church picnic and I had a bunch of ketchup on my shirt. And everybody was being all nice. And finally, some guy came up to me and said, God, you got ketchup all over your shirt. He was really being nice. You know, of course, I, well, I, that's another. Why did you get me into that, Jerry? All right, First John, First Peter, <laughs> chapter 4. Pray for me, please. First Peter, chapter 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires. But rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and the heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We need you. God, you know all about where we are. And I'm grateful that you, Holy Spirit, remind us of whose we are. And I pray this morning as we continue to worship you. God, our desire has been through every part of our time together here to worship you. And we just want that to continue. So speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, Christians in the world are kind of strange. Um, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it, it talks about that we are a holy nation. I, I know in the King James it would say, we're a peculiar people. Sometimes it fits. There are things that we don't do that it seems like everybody else is doing. 
And we just see my little people just kind of scratch their heads. What are they doing? Why do they live like that? I remember the story of this one young preacher and he was preaching his first funeral and dear lady, the casket was still open. They hadn't closed it. He started to preach and he looked down and he said, here brothers and sisters is a dear sister who lays in this casket. He says, what you see before you is the shell. The nut is already gone. As we look in this section of Scripture, God gives us hope in a culture where many see us as peculiar, as a little bit off. But there's a reason for that. As it says, we march to a different drummer. We have discovered one who loves us completely. And we want to follow him. We want to hear his voice. And we're going to look at that this morning as we look in our text and start out here. Look how he starts. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he has suffered in his body is done with sin. The term here, arm yourselves, is a picture of taking your highest quality of armor and weaponry and preparing for a fight. For a battle. You see, the truth of the matter is, there is a battle that rages around us. And when we come to the glorious Lord Jesus Christ and are saved and transformed by Him, we're not tourists here. Our job's not just to walk around and say, well, let's see how many hot dogs I can eat and how I can enjoy myself and just sit in the lazy boy and wait on heaven. No, the Bible says that we are in a battle and that we need to be aware of it. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In the next verse, he says, For that reason, guys, you need to put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and after you've done everything, you'll be able to stand. You know, not that you're going to charge with all this confidence of, I'm spiritual. I'll head in there. No, it says that you put on the armor of God so that you're prepared in this battle where there's a powerful enemy that is against us and that wants to see people destroyed and lost and broken. That makes him happy. But it breaks the heart of God. And so God says, be ready for battle. Be prepared for the fight that is around us. That's the picture here of to arm yourself in this land. Now, with that in mind, he starts out here, the first verse, he says, therefore. As I said, when you see therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? What is God trying to tell us? Well, he's saying, go back and look what has already been written. What has already been revealed by God's Holy Spirit. Verse 18 uh, that we had looked at last week, great verse in chapter 3 of First Peter, he tells us for Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God he died for you he died for me he's talking about the powerful sacrifice of the cross I love the story taken back from frontier days some of y'all you know me y'all watch Little House on the Prairie um, some of y'all hadn't, but you can probably find it on TV land or somewhere if you hadn't seen. But, uh, but anyway, in the days of the prairie, they were headed out in the prairie, and 
uh, as they looked ahead of them, there was a fire burning the, the tall grasses and headed toward them. There was a fear in a child who started to cry, saw the fire moving in. And some of the adults came forward and they did the only thing they could do to survive. They started a fire and stepped back. And the fire began to move toward the flames that were approaching them. And as the child screamed, he said, you don't have to worry. It's safe because we're standing where the fire's already been. Can't reach us. And that's the power of the cross. You see, there's sin and there's suffering. And there's no hope apart from Christ because of the fire that is promised to those who neglect God, who refuse to listen to God, who refuse His love. But because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of His perfect sacrifice, the fire cannot reach me and cannot reach you because He first was there and received the fire. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? And then He goes on to... And he says in the next part of verse 18, he was put to death in the body, but was made alive by the Spirit. And we spoke of the fact that means the grave could not hold him. No big rock could hold him in there. Death could not have his icy clutches on Jesus. He rose from the grave. And we talked about last week, how he went down to, to hell itself and proclaimed the fact, I am the victorious one. It is finished. It is completed. I'm the winner. And those of us who are in Christ Jesus also march triumphantly in the victory of Jesus Christ. He tells us that. Then he comes down to verse 22 in God's provision. and He tells us that he's gone into heaven and he's at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. He's on his rightful throne. All are in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior who bought us, who purchased us, who rose from the grave, is seated at the right hand of God, and He's praying for us. So as Peter begins to talk about this spiritual battle, that we need to arm ourselves for the fight to be faithful soldiers in Jesus Christ, he's telling us, you got a provision. You're not doing this alone. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the grave. He is exalted. He's at the right hand of the Father, and you can trust Him. He loves you. That's where he starts with his provision. Then he moves on to the transformation in verses 1 through 3. He goes on to talk about that transformation that occurs. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And, and that's what Peter's referring to here. You're not the same. If Jesus lives in you, you're not the same. There's a, a, a longing and an ache in your heart for Him. The Savior who is your hope. Who's your hope? Look at our text. He, he reminds us that Jesus suffered for us. He says, as a result, He does not live the rest of His earthly life for evil human desires, but rather... For the will of God, he's talking about he who has suffered in his body. As you've gone through suffering, reminded of the one who suffered, who was perfect, so that we might have that hope. 
and that we might have that life. And he says, when Jesus enters your heart, there is a transformation. And what you long for is more than what's here. It's more than the little tingle. It's more than the next thrill. It's more than that ache of, oh, if I could just have that encounter with that attractive person. Or if I could just have more money. Or if I could just have that job. Or if this relationship was right. There's that ache inside of, if I just had that, I would finally be happy. I would finally be fulfilled. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, no. You've been captured by Christ. The the word actually speaks of being freed from sin's domination. Romans 6 goes into detail about this. Set free from being a slave to sin. He tells us, how, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That the old man is crucified in us and we have been raised with Christ to newness of life. As, as Romans 6 goes and tells us in detail of that freedom that is available through Jesus Christ. That He gives us this a new desires, new heart. Verse 3 tells us that the book of godless living is no longer the deepest desire when you're with Jesus. He just changes. Changes what you pursue. Look in verse 3, he talks about that pursuit. For you spend enough time. Just stop it, he says. This is not for you. <laughs> you spend enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgy, carousing, detestable idolatry. That's that's not what makes you happy, he says. That's not what ultimately is going to fill your heart. That's what he's saying. Just because you see it on TV and people never get a beer gut and they never get a sexually transmitted disease and everything, you know, always seems woo-woo. It's not the truth. It's a lie. And Peter is saying, that's not you. You are new in Christ. He's transformed you. He's made you new. The the terms here actually, sensuality means actions that excite and shock public decency. As we see it all over the place. As someone has said, all Satan's apples have worms in them. Next in verses 4 and 5, he gives the reaction. The reaction when you're transformed and you're living for Christ. What happens? Let's look at verses 4 and 5. He says, They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They think, Man, what is wrong with you? Why don't you want to go out to the bar with me at night? You know that that's one good looking woman, but why aren't you why aren't you pursuing her? They look at him like scratch their head like, man, he is peculiar. 
He is weird. He is strange. That is part of the picture that, that goes on inside and they wonder, why don't you want to run with them? Why don't you want to climb in the pig pen? Because they don't have the freedom of Jesus yet. They don't have the forgiveness that Christ provides. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them. And they're lost, as you know, the country preacher says, lost is a ball in high weeds. It's lost. Without Christ, they can't see. Sometimes we're tough on them, but they can't see. They need Jesus, and they need Jesus to show them Jesus. You know, as it says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It doesn't say, well... Someone who's had many challenges and is a victim of a very difficult past. and All that may be true, but the truth of the matter is, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You see, that is the, the picture. And Our call, though, um, is not to isolate ourselves. You know, it's real easy. I remember reading a book years ago. It talked about being rabbit hole Christians, you know. We just run from one rabbit hole to the next. We call it one church hole to the next. Whew, I'm safe. I went to this activity with Christians. Whew. Head to the next one with Christians. Whew. And you know, sometimes it is kind of tough. I'll be honest with you. When you're around people that don't know the Lord, you're like, man, would you just stop? You know, I want to say to them, some of them got gutter mouths. You know, sometimes you just want to say, do I look like a trash dump or a sewer? Stop just pouring it on me. It stinks. But I have to understand, and you have to understand, it's because they need Christ. And when they see us not acting the same way, on the outside they may say, what a nut. But on the inside they're saying, how does he do that? How does she do that? How, how are they able to say no? How, how does that happen? How are they able to live beyond this? You see, they're like frightened little children. They're looking for hope, but they're, they're just too afraid to be honest. Too, too afraid to, to tell the truth. And finally, the summation. Um, as he tells us, like I said in verse 5, that there is an account. There's an account awaiting Jesus to judge the living and the dead. And he speaks about it. He says, this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but according to God, in regard to the Spirit. As Peter preaches, he's thinking, he's thinking about those who love Jesus that he knows. And they've been persecuted, yelled at, beat up. Some have literally been executed. Now they're in heaven. And he's thinking about how they suffered here, how they were faithful, but now they're free. Free of that suffering. And he's giving a challenge to those who are reading his words. Live for Jesus. The people around you need Jesus. And as they see you, yeah, you might in some ways seem really weird, but it's a good weird. It's a weird that says there's hope. And they may say, well, you know, those people believe in hell and those people are so judgmental. But when you live for Jesus and you really love people and you're able to say, 
you know, I deserve judgment. I deserve condemnation. But let me tell you about Jesus. You want to know how I'm able to do this? It's not me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ in me. And His power that is at work through me. That's the hope. So, um, as I wrap this thing up, just a couple of obvious truths. Continue living for Jesus. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Those little acts of kindness show the one who's truly kind. tells us in Romans 2, 4 that He's led us by His loving kindness. God's tender heart. That's how he, how he draws us to Him. He could lead us with the judgment we deserve. So just be kind. Just live in the power of Christ. Love Him! That's, that's what, you know, continue living for Christ. Second, expect to be misunderstood. Sometimes they're just not going to get it. Be patient. I know, here comes the sewer stuff. Here comes the trash stuff. Just be patient. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. You know, Christ, all God, but He still was all man, still all human. And as He was in the garden, it, He suffered. and He said, God... Would you let this cup pass from me? And it says that his sweat were as drops of blood because he was in agony. It wasn't an easy decision. There was a battle. And the truth is, sometimes there's a battle with us with the flesh that we just want to listen to the flesh. And we look to Christ and say, Okay, God, in my weakness, all I say is, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's why he's able to say, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he'll provide you a way out so you can stand up under it. Follow me. I will empower you to keep following me. And as you do that, as I do that, God's able to convey his message of a power that forgives us of sin. And that gives us power not to be controlled by sin. And one day we'll be free from the very presence of sin. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. You know where we are. Each of us, Lord. The call is not to a crowd. It is to me. It's personal call. So what are you saying, Lord? May each of us ask that question. What are you saying, Lord? May we remember your provision, Lord. May that move us as you continue to transform us and make us like Jesus. And as if people look at us, Lord, um, I pray that they see people who possess the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because that's Jesus. And, and that that may draw them, Lord, to, to hunger for you. In other words, that the, our call to be light and our call to be salt, um, Father, that it would make a difference in lives that need Christ. Um, people are all around us, Father. May they see Jesus in us, Lord. May that be the call, Father.
And this morning is... We think about hope in, in a culture, Father, beyond this culture. How have you spoken? We have an altar that's open. Father, are you calling someone to come, Lord? Maybe it's time to take that step and to follow you, to trust Jesus for the very first time. Maybe um, you have not done that yet. What a great day to do that. Maybe it's a time to... To take that step of obedience and to be baptized, which is a picture of saying, Jesus has saved me from sin and he's raised me to new life. What a wonderful testimony. I pray that maybe it's today that that call is heard to come and to be baptized. Maybe, Father, it's just a a new call to walk close with Jesus. To remember that other people are looking and they're lonely. And as someone has said, maybe you're the only Bible they'll read. I just pray, Father, that you would move as you choose among us. Because that's why we're here. To hear from you and to see you. So, Master, reveal yourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.